0: he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Some time after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. Three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, then he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. So far the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. May he write its truth upon our hearts. Dear people of God, are you patient? When the website takes more than five seconds to load, do you think about calling the internet provider? When the drive through takes far too long to make that latte that you like so much? Do you think about going in and complaining to the manager? When the light lasts, the red light now, lasts for more than a minute, do you think about cutting through the parking lot or through the gas station to get where you're going? And do you listen to podcasts at double speed because you don't have the time? Are you impatient? I could go on. Because those are all things that perhaps maybe happened once upon a time in my own life, just here and there. I had a coffee phase. I think I'm over it now. Impatience. What do our technologies show about us? Well, there's a lot of things they show about us. there's, There's ease, convenience. But a lot of what our technology shows us is that we like it now. Whatever it is, whatever we're pursuing, we want it as quick and as easy as possible. And that really militates against what God seeks to do in our lives because he's not always working his lessons out in your life and in mine just like that. It takes a lifetime to work out some of the things that he wants to teach you, to teach me. We can become very frustrated when things don't proceed as quickly as we might like. Now, Joseph had many tests in his life, and certainly one of the big ones was having to wait for what God had given to him. He had had these dreams, and what did it lead to? It led to his brothers hating him. It led them to throw him in a pit. It led them to sell him into slavery so that he went to Egypt. He's in for a time. He appears to be rising. Then he's unjustly accused. He goes back into prison again. And in these things, we don't read that Joseph did anything wrong. He's doing what's right, and yet he still faced many tests and trials. Something for us to be keeping in mind. Paul says it, doesn't he, in the book of Acts, when he says, through many trials and tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. Do we still believe that today? I mean, we've got a lot of things that make life easy and quick. Well, today we're learning about how God teaches through a long-sustained instruction. And through testing and trial, I think many of us, if if we were pushed, we, when we think about church and we think, well, why why do it this way? Why not just go get a chip and and just put it in our arm, in our brain, whatever, so that we can just get all the right information and be done with it, and then just skip this this weekly regular instruction in the Lord. We we, we might think that's pretty pretty easy, and we can go on and do what we really want. Aha! Now there's. There's the matter, isn't it? Our rhythm, our, our way of living is give it to me quick and easy, and then I'll go on and do what I really want to do. What God shows us through trials and tribulations, what God shows us through the ups and the downs is that we need Him. And He calls us, He ordains that there's a day set aside for us to worship, to remember. That indeed, God is our help, as we said at the opening of the service. Children, remember Joseph's dreams. He was going to rise and his brothers and his family were going to bow down to him. You think it took some faith for him to believe that was going to happen as he's now sitting in this prison as he has faced the wrath of his brothers, indeed, it took faith. Indeed, he had to trust. Brothers and sisters, there are two main ways that the devil tries to, to entrap us, to ensnare us, to, to lead us to turn from God rather than go to him. One of them is pain and suffering and one of them is pleasure. The misery and suffering, the waiting, makes us think that God is not good and not worth trusting. Pleasure and prosperity make us think that we don't need God. The devil's two great strategies of deceit are pain and pleasure. Pain luring us to say God is evil. Pleasure luring us to say God is not needed. We're to beware of both. recognize the proper response is when we hear that, when we think about that in our own minds, that we ought to repent immediately and say, Lord, help me. As the psalmist said this morning, Psalm 86, hear my cry, answer me, for I am poor and needy. Are we? Do we see that? Notice how time passes in joseph 's life. I just want to draw attention to those those few markers in the passage we read this morning at the beginning of of chapter forty and we could go back. We could say even further back what what How does Joseph rise in the in the in the home of Potiphar, he had to learn the language, he had to do a lot of things. There was time that passed before he, be- he came to that position in Potiphar's house. There's time there. But then we read that it's only after some time that he's in the prison where he's placed that the cupbearer and the baker come into the prison where he is after he's been unjustly accused. Verse 1 of chapter 40, they arrive there, and then it says in verse 4 of, that, of chapter 40 that they continued for some time in his custody. We don't know exactly how long that was, but the, the emphasis there is that this just didn't just happen instant, instantaneously. He's waiting upon the Lord. He's trusting in the Lord as he moves along. Perhaps wondering what's going on. awaiting is not a new concept in the book of Genesis. We could look at many examples. Abraham and Sarah had to wait for the son that was promised to them. Moses waited. Israel waited for Moses after he'd been in the wilderness. The Lord placing him there for 40 years before he returns and leads the people out of Egypt. There is waiting throughout the scriptures. And we want to understand this. And I want you to get this if you... Don't get anything else from the passage this morning or that you don't remember. Remember this, God is not in a hurry to do his work in you. But he is purposeful in the way he does his work in you. He has a purpose. He has a plan. It's not just, well, I I just didn't get around to it today. I got this to-do list, right? We get this big to-do list. I always put more on the list than I can possibly accomplish, and then I'm frustrated at the end of the day that I didn't get everything done. Well, that isn't so with God. God says, I have this purposeful plan for each one of my people, and I do it according to my time and in my way. Remember that. When you get discouraged because things aren't moving along as quickly as you might like them to move along. You and I live for God's glory, not our schedules. God's plan of salvation is being advanced here. How is it being advanced as we're asking about what's going on? His plan is being advanced. He's preparing Joseph for something to come. What's going to come is a seven-year famine. Before that is the seven-year abundance right storehouse storing up the the grain in preparation for what is to come quite a lesson there isn't there in prosperity what are we doing are we storing up the good that god is giving that we might use it at the appropriate time that doesn't mean we have to store it up for 7 years there's not a there's not a magic in that number here but the point i'm trying to make is Understand that when God is prosperous, how are we using it? Are we using it to help as we see a need coming or are we going to hold on to it and say, well, it's just going to make me happier? God is equipping Joseph so that when that prosperity comes, he's wise unto what's happening. He hears Pharaoh's dream and we'll get into this, Lord willing, in weeks to come. But just very briefly, he sees Pharaoh's dream and he says, God is saying that there's going to be abundance, but you must store up that abundance because following it, there's going to be great famine. So in times of blessing and in times of want, are we listening to what God's doing? Are we, are we following him? Or is prosperity saying, well, I don't need God? Or is, is want or famine where we say, well, I don't think God really, really cares about me? How in all of it are we thinking, what is God's purpose? What is my responsibility with what God has given? And in this time. Joseph's being prepared so that when those tests come after the seven years of abundance, the seven years of famine, the people come to him and say, No, give us more food, give us more food, give us more food, Joseph can say, No, we must we must apportion this accordingly, because this is going to go on for a long time. He's preparing him to be steady, as he does so often, as the Lord so often does with us, that we would be steady in times of difficulty. While well, Joseph's in prison, these two Egyptian officials are put there with him and they both have dreams. Well, in the ancient Near East, dreams are seen as important. There were dream interpreters, there were dream books that were recorded, people's dreams were recorded and then the interpretations given by these dream interpreters were written down so that people could come to these people and say, okay, I've had a dream, is there any any formula in your book there that would help me understand what that dream meant? And they would... They would believe there was much that was being communicated in dreams. They thought when asleep, they were coming in direct contact with the other world where the gods were dwelling. So when these officials had these dreams, they're looking hoping for someone to interpret, but they're in prison they can't they don't have access to those whom they know had the books and who were the designated interpreters. Joseph sees them the morning after their dreams and he sees that they're troubled and so he comes to them and he asks them what's wrong. I want you to note something, brothers and sisters, as, as Joseph notes what's going on. He's, he himself is in this in this prison where he, he's, he's really not where he wants to be. He's not where he had hoped to be at this point in his life. And yet, what's he doing? He's caring for those in need. He, he sees a, a, a trouble and he wants to help. He knew that God was with him. Therefore, he did not fret about his circumstance. And he instead looked out for the interests of others. Which is what the New Testament tells us to do as we humble ourselves before the Lord. To look out to the interests of others. Brothers and sisters, there are many today who are troubled in spirit. You can see it, you can observe it in their posture, in their vocabulary, in their way that they dwell on certain things. They don't understand what's happening in the world or what the outcome will be, but as those who are spirit-filled and armed with the Word of God, you have the ability to bring understanding or to bring knowledge to them that they need. Who is in control and what is happening and why is it happening? Now, if we're too worried about getting through that drive through line, if we're too worried about getting through uh, 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 that, that podcast for ourselves or whatever, then we're missing opportunities all the time because we, we're in such a hurry. We have opportunity to point people to God, for there is understanding with Him. We're so blessed to live in this day where we have God's Word. We know His plan for the world. We don't rely on dreams or look for God to speak through dreams. When we dream, it's very often what's just on our minds. What's, what are we thinking about? Perhaps you had that last night. Just all these things you're thinking about, and you're, oh, ugh i got to get this done, get that done, or whatever. It it just shows us what matters to us so very often. What's bothering us, perhaps. What troubles us. We have God's Word where He shows His plan. And in a day where people are looking in all the wrong places for answers and hoping in all the wrong things, this is an opportunity to show them where to look to find peace. As I said, the officials are troubled because they don't have access to the interpreters of Pharaoh's court. They have no idea what the dreams meant. Well, Joseph comes and he points these officials to the one true God. He says, with God there is interpretation. With God there is help and understanding. God alone gives understanding. That's our confidence When talking to those who are troubled, when we ourselves are troubled, reminding ourselves of this truth. And Joseph's compassion made me think of Jesus' compassion as I was studying this passage this week. What does Jesus do when he sees the the crowds? He sees the crowds as having a sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. To explain to them. What their, how their greatest need could be met, what their greatest need was. Their burden was something that burdened him, and he had a word to free them. You and I have a word to help others. That's what we should be doing as we wait for our Savior's return, telling people about God and his truth concerning the world. The passage of time doesn't mean we despair. The passage of time means that God is not finished calling his people in. And he does that as people, his people, go out and proclaim that truth. Well then, we need to move on. Secondly, who's in charge? We Remember in whatever circumstance that God controls all things. He is in charge. This path of Joseph, the paths of all God's people are not haphazard. God is closely connected to his creation throughout the Psalms. The psalmist rejoices in that, that the Lord is in his temple. The Lord is controlling the world. We see it throughout this passage. We, we see it at the end of chapter 39 then throughout the life of Joseph. But we read that refrain, the Lord is with Joseph. The Lord is with Joseph. You can insert your name here. The Lord is with David. The Lord is with your name, God is not only involved in his creation, he is, as I said earlier, and I want us to understand this, he is purposeful in his involvement. Joseph gives that wonderful word later to his brothers. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. To accomplish To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There's purpose in it. It's purposeful, though it was painful to get there. And it required patience. God had a purpose in his working. He was shaping Joseph. He shapes you and me. John Piper speaks of providence this way. God has revealed his purposeful sovereignty over good and evil in order to, there's the purpose now, and it's it's a lengthy list, so listen carefully. Let me start over again. God has revealed his purposeful sovereignty over good and evil in order to humble human pride, intensify human worship, shatter human hopelessness, and put ballast in the battered boat of human faith, steel in the spine of human courage, gladness in the groans of affliction, and love in the heart that sees no way forward. There's a lot going on in God's purposeful sovereignty. And we don't have time to look at all that today, but as we move along, we're seeing that in God's uh, working, particularly in the life of of Joseph here in Genesis. We'll look at that more as we, we move on in Genesis in weeks to come, Lord willing. But just that comment, God's purposeful care over your life is meant to do something in you. His purposeful care is meant to do something in you. Whether it's to humble you, whether it's to intensify your worship, whether it's to give courage, to enable you to have gladness in the face of affliction, to love the Lord even when you see no way forward, to drive you to Him, to find your understanding in His Word. And that's not just in his word. Jesus says it too, doesn't he, in general revelation? When he says this, he says, consider the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. They don't labor, they don't spend, they don't store up in barns. And yet the Lord provides for all of them. And he says, are you not more valuable than they? So we can see it when we look outside too. There's sun behind those clouds. God will again bring sunshine. God brings harvest. Though sometimes we're called to wait, we're tested. Jesus knows the temptation to fear. He lived on earth. He speaks these words as one who had to wait patiently on the Lord. Now, knowledge of God's control doesn't mean we don't acknowledge the difficulties of life. There is also the call to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. There will be a time for all of those things. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, the time for everything. Our emotions are more alive because of what we know of God, because of how he has made us alive. But our minds are to be lifted up to remember our good God who is purposeful in all his sovereignty. As we wait, our hope is strengthened by recounting the promises of God. We need to know the promises of God. We need to know who God is. One day the world will be filled with the knowledge of God. One day all sadness will give way to eternal joy. We need to call others to look to God for this understanding with us. But of course, the question is always this, isn't it? How long? Question of the human heart, how long will this journey last? Joseph likely thought that when he's hearing of these dreams. How long until my dream is it comes to pass, comes true? He's not told how long. He gives a definite answer to the dreams of these two men. After three days, Pharaoh is going to raise one up and he's going to hang the other. I debated spending some time talking about how we bring the truth of both salvation and judgment. I don't want to do that this morning. We don't have time to do that, but there is that aspect of it as well. There is this, we speak the truth and we we warn that there is a time. It is not forever that we're going to continue on like this. And after death, it is not that we simply are no more. There is coming judgment. So we must speak truth. How long, we don't know. God gives us Answers to certain things, but he doesn't give us answers to all things. And so we wait in hope. That's going to be the subject of our sermon series in December as we approach Christmas. Hope is on the way. But God does not forget us. We need to remember that. Joseph humbled himself before God and received a solid hope. We're assured that uh, in this account that God does Give grace to the humble. That's what brings Joseph through this in such a stellar way. He exalts at the proper time, as we know from the continuation of the story. The Lord does not intend in his working, does not intend anything to bring you to sin. He does not intend to bring you to a place where you're bitter, grumbling, complaining. He does not intend... To bring you to a place of uncontrolled rage or any of these things which are of the old self. He intends to refine your faith. To remove all the impurities. Now, how can we be sure that we're being delivered? How can you be sure you'll be delivered? To be sure because God is faithful. Paul says it, doesn't he? He's gone through so much. What does he say in 1 Corinthians nine? God who has called you into fellowship with his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is faithful. He is faithful. Our hope, your hope is not in man. Those difficult words at the end of chapter 40, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. How disappointing for Joseph. And yet how instructive that he had to turn to look to God and how instructive for us that we have to turn and look to God in our waiting, in our pain. In our suffering. Our hope is built on the promises in the Lord Jesus, that are given in Lord Jesus Christ to his God's yes and amen, the anchor in heaven behind the veil who intercedes for us. In this time of the year, we celebrate the Protestant Reformation. We're reminded that God's deliverance of sinners is sure because he's powerful to save. Nothing can keep his plan from coming to pass. Romans 8 says that, doesn't it? Romans 8, the end of the chapter. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, no pharaohs, no potiphers, no anything, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's not just. Future, he says in verse 32, Paul writes, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I love that voice hymn. I, I We probably could have put that in for after the sermon, but uh, the, the, the hymn in our Trinity Psalter, What Can Separate My Soul... From the God who made me whole, wrote my name in heaven's scroll, nothing. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Trouble, hardship, danger, sword, brought by those who hate my Lord. Slander here or no reward, nothing. Hallelujah. Victors were ordained to be by the God who set us free. What can therefore conquer me? Nothing. Hallelujah. We are the Lord's. We belong to him. The Lord Jesus Christ came down to earth, was subject to every suffering and injustice. He did not despair. He was betrayed, endured death and hell. But they could not hold him. The Father raised him up, receiving him as sacrifice. It's an offering for our sins. God made an eternal covenant with us in him, unbreakable, everlasting God cannot and will not forget us. He delights in us and has us before himself forever. To glory in him. He's worthy of all praise and glory. We think of suffering, we think of how easily it can derail us. I want to just share a story in closing. Johnny Erickson Todd, I learned about her early on when I was a young young boy uh, of her diving accident that caused her to be paralyzed. Uh, from diving into shallow water she's been in a wheelchair over 50 years and not so long ago last year or two she was being uh, uh, a friend of hers called her up and says Johnny I want you to know something there's wheelchairs in heaven and she said what are you talking about and the man proceeded to say well in Daniel 7 verse 9 the son of man is sitting on a throne and it has fiery wheels under it she says oh I get it very funny But she says, you know, I got to thinking. If my wheelchair was in heaven, she says, it's not a very biblical thought. She says, if my wheelchair was in heaven, I would would point to it one day when I received my glorified body and say, I thank you for that wheelchair. Why? Because she said, when I was weak, I leaned on you more. When I knew I couldn't walk, I knew I had to be received by you as you came to me. When I thought about all of the hardship, yes, that wheelchair was trouble. You said, in this world we will have trouble, and because of that wheelchair, there was a lot of trouble. And she says, quote, But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing... The harder I leaned on you. and the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. So thank you for what you did in my life through the wheelchair. Now, by God's grace, she could say that. She could see God's purpose in her suffering, in her waiting for that new body. She was being drawn closer. Are you by this challenges? Are you being drawn closer? Are you being made more patient? Or are you more inclined to answer yes to all those questions I was saying at the beginning? That I don't have time for all of these inconveniences. God wants us to draw closer to him. To learn of him. To lean on him so that we might have a solid hope in his promised deliverance. That's my prayer for you and my prayer for me. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we go through life, there are many tests and challenges, and we must confess that we are impatient and we don't always wait for the lesson. We want to get through it or we want it to end. We pray, Lord, that in our tests and our trials, it would be, we would be led to become more patient, to, to trust you, to know that you are true to your word, that you are faithful. That your promises are yes and amen in your Son. Lord, may we then be led to call others in our patient wilderness wandering to look to the one who promises a glorious paradise to come through the repentance of sin and the trusting in your provision, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear us for his sake, we pray. Amen. Number 244, again, God as our fortress this Reformation Day weekend, a mighty fortress is our God, the one who is our foundation in all times. We're going to stand to sing those four stanzas, the last stanza a cappella of number 244. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the way that you help us, granting your spirit to us that we might help others. We thank you for Beth Shand's ministry, for its work toward those with developmental disabilities. We thank you that we can partner with them in giving gifts to fund that, uh, that work. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would grant uh, a great blessing, a great fruitfulness in that work to those who are working there as they recognize you have worked in their lives and upon the residents as well. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand to receive God's parting blessing. As the Lord works through his purposeful providence, his purposeful sovereignty, he sends you forth with this parting blessing. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.